Oh, man, I just got depressed uh, with that forecast. For all you people out there, I know it got a little wet for people trying to harvest beans and some people trying to get in for do some corn. Of course, sugar beet haulers, it's going to hit and miss whether or not they're able to get in and try to lift beets or top beets or getting stuck in the mud. What a miserable evening, but uh, be safe out there. It's going to be a little slick. We got a lot of stuff to get to tonight. Let's start off with my good friend, a longtime friend of the show, John Holler from the Viking Update, 247sports.com. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing better in this weather. Yeah, this is not fun. You're getting this all the way down in the uh, St. Cloud area where you live? or I'm I'm in St. Paul right now because oh, yeah. uh, on Wednesday nights I uh, uh, stay close to uh, Egan, because uh, all the other media types are jealous of me because literally I can get in the car and seven minutes later I am at the front gate of uh, PCO Performance Center. And I don't feel sorry for them even a little bit because I've had to make the hoof for 15 years. So well, that's uh, true. <laughs> I'm, I'm about done with their sympathy. Yeah, exactly. But I do have sympathy for the people up there. I mean, snow? Come on. It's October, what, 3rd? That's too early for snow. Well, the last few years, we've had nice falls, right? Or it's almost been like, uh, for the lack of a better term, these Indian summers that go all the way into November. And Yeah. And little, it was kind of not so great last year, and it's really been awful this year. I mean, there hasn't been any of that. I'm going to take the pontoon off Saturday because there's no sighted in. I, usually, I like to go on pontoon on leaves are changed on the lake and all that. It's just been crappy. So I, I gave up the battle. Of course, by that time... It'll probably turn around and we'll have a late October with 60 degrees every day. Well, the funny thing was, was it was like 74 this afternoon when practice started. And by the time it ended, the rain had come through and it dropped about 10 degrees. And it's supposed to be like low 30s here tonight. And I'm just not used to uh, that sort of a temperature fluctuation in one day, but. What can you say? It's got the, now one of the guys I wanted to uh, uh, talk to you about is a, uh, the Vikings signed uh, Jonathan Wynn. Does this name ring a bell with you at all? um, No. Should it? (laughs) I'm trying to think. Not really. I mean, he he was one of the preseason guys. Okay. And I'm one of those who uh, always talks to the guys who are bubble guys just because they usually have the best stories he was uh there's a it's called like delivery dash or door dash it's a place that uh, a company that uh delivers restaurant food to your house so if you don't want to go to a restaurant they'll pick it up for you and bring it to you and on friday he had got cut on september 1st And because of the Everson Griffin situation, the Vikings needed a little more depth uh, at the defensive end position. So they brought him back to put him on the practice squad. And I'm the only guy who walks, you know, most of these guys, practice squad guys, people just ignore them. And I've I've never been that guy. You know, if a guy's sitting at his locker, even if I'm not doing a story, I'll just come up and talk to him. Well, I figured this guy would be a good story because it kind of gives fans the other side of uh what it's like to be a rookie and my guess is we're going to post it up on the viking update website tomorrow probably about midday and i was the only one who pulled him aside to talk to him and 
it's just a typical question. You know, what do you do over that month Yeah, where they cut you September 1st and here you sit? And I'm like, you know, was your agent telling you other teams want you in for a workout? Hadn't had any workouts with other teams. He was trying to keep himself in shape. But this is a kid who last year was a senior at Vanderbilt in Nashville and didn't really have, you know, the rest of his life is going to get started September 2nd. And he had basically run out of the money that he had for, you know, because in the, it's not much that you make during the off season program. You know, it's probably like three grand a week. If you're one of those guys, the undrafted guys, and you know, the rest of us will say, well, geez, three grand a week. Yeah, I, I could do that. But when you look at the expenses and everything else, once you're no longer on the team, you know, your flight back to Tennessee is on you or your drive back to Tennessee is on you. Sure. And he was literally a food delivery guy when he got the call on Friday. And it's, it's a really heartwarming story because everybody thinks that, you know, NFL guys, Oh geez, they're all millionaires. They're all whatever. Here's a guy who didn't have anything better lined up than to deliver food in his car. And, uh, the, I believe practice squad guys get like 6,500 a week. So I'm just, I'm really glad that he uh, is able to do it. But the reason, the only reason that they brought him back was because of the Everson Griffin situation. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. And and I think, I think Mike Zimmer said yesterday, what at earliest, I mean, and we are talking what at the earliest is week six, if that's even a possibility, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of things have to happen with this because I'm not sure, you know, police reports are one thing, but here in the scuttlebutt in the building, he is, you know, mental health is something that I still am not convinced we have really come to grips with. You know, I have a teenage daughter and uh, two of her friends have committed suicide and like oh a half a dozen others have attempted it. It's just, it, it's a thing with, this generation of, you know, teenagers into their thirties, even that we're not, we're, we're starting to get a better handle on it, but ever since for the last three weeks prior to the Vikings forbidding him from the facility, I mean, before all this stuff happened at the hotel where, uh, you know, he didn't have a gun just to clear things up because there's, you know, uh, Twitter is, it's a very useful tool in a lot of ways, but it can be very harmful in others where the Twitter thing was that he was threatening to kill people and had a gun. Uh, that's not true. He did claim he would shoot somebody if they didn't let him back in his room, but he was just really erratic, you know, and it's one of those when you're in a situation like that and you kind of look back, the thing that was really getting me with Everson was he does have a tendency to say the same things, but a lot of players do that where it's, you know, we got to watch our keys. We got to execute. We've got to just, you know, we got to take it one day at a time, our backs against the wall, you know, just all the typical cliches, but he was saying things and repeating them like two or three times in a row where it's like, you know, we got to stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. And it was almost like his brain was hiccuping. Yeah. If that makes sense. And there just seemed, something seemed a little off. He didn't, uh, he yelled at one of the reporters, but the guy he was yelling at had it coming. 
You know, he's just that kind of a person. So I didn't really read too much into it, but they were saying his behavior since about the third preseason game into the season has been extremely erratic and it got worse about the time of the Packers game. And it's one of those where you kind of have to say to yourself, you know, we need Everson Griffin on the field as for our business as a football team, but Everson Griffin, his, you know, he's got like an 11 month old son and a wife that is terrified and is likely going to be filing for divorce. And you're like, maybe we should get him right. If that's possible to get him right mentally is a bigger priority than getting him back on the field. As hard as that may be for Vikings fans to swallow. It's one of those. There are some things I think that are more important than even your job. You know, they've got to get you right. And he's, it's just, it's a real weird situation. And it's one that is, I'm thinking is becoming more common. You know I mean? Guys like Josh Gordon had that same problem where he just would kind of lash out at teammates. And you're like, where is this coming from? You know, the Vikings have had a couple of them over the years that have been just where you're like, something isn't wired exactly correct. Well, it's funny you say that because let's look back at 19 and a half years ago when the Vikings drafted Demetrius Underwood. And and at the time, you know, I think back in 1999, going into that training camp, we kind of almost laughed about them. And I think the coaches at Michigan State even kind of warned me, you know, there's just something not really right about them. They took him anyway, and unfortunately it didn't work out for him. And who knows where the heck he is, but he's just a, a forgotten thought as, oh, he was a bust as a draft pick, never played it down. But, you know, you look at it now in 2018, it's probably a lot sadder story than we ever really delved into. Exactly. And if you if you recall, he went MIA from training camp. He showed up at the morning practice. It was like the second or third day of practice. He shows up at morning practice wearing fatigues, like army fatigues, and just went missing. And they start they figured, okay, you know, where is he? And he wasn't found for like five days. And when he was found, he was on a freeway in Philly stabbing himself with a big fork on a highway. Yeah. You know, to be like walking down 94 with traffic going by at 70 miles an hour and you're stabbing yourself and cutting yourself. And it's, you know, it, there's no, uh, gender bias. There's no economic bias towards mental illness. It happens to a lot of different people. And it's just unfortunate that it has to impact a Vikings team that is far from on life support, but if they lose to the Eagles, they're going to be one, three and one, and they're going to have to dig themselves out of a pretty gigantic hole. John Holler is with us here. This is the Front Row Show. Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790 KFGO. John Holler writes for the Viking Update. If you go to vikingupdate.com, it will get you in the right place. And for 247sports.com is kind of the link to that. You mentioned that because, you know, the one thing – and it's part of the reason I wasn't real comfortable with cutting the longtime veteran Brian Robinson is, I mean, put all that aside, what you're missing on the field now, since we like to talk about on the field stuff, is mm-hmm. two of the biggest leaders in that clubhouse, especially on that side of the ball. Right. And, you know, let's not forget Terrence Newman. Right. You know, I mean, the secondary has been a mess. 
And the thing about it was, was you had Terrence Newman was able to on the fly. I mean, a coach can only do so much from the sidelines. You know, Terrence Newman was in the middle of Zim's defense, understood it bet almost as well as Zim does because he had played it in, in Dallas. He had played it in Cincinnati and he's played it here. The, it's kind of money rubbed up against uh, the salary cap. And they said, you know, we like these young guys that are going to be a lot cheaper, but that does come with a price. And that price is that veteran experience that when the bullets are flying and guys are kind of panicking, they're the guys that are the calming influence. I mean, I'm not sure if, uh, if Terrence Newman had been on the field that we would have had, the one play I had a chance to talk to Xavier Rhodes today and asked him specifically about the kicking the penalty flag because he brought up that there are dominoes. And it, it seems to me that's something probably that either Zimmer or Terrence Newman said to him because he got called for a defensive holding penalty. And it would have been declined because the pass was complete to Cooper Cup, who was on Mac Alexander but he was shadowing Brandon cooks because they figure cooks is their best receiver. He gets called for the defensive holding penalty. Doesn't realize that the pass has been completed and the penalty is going to be declined. Like it didn't happen. Instead, he kicks the flag and gets a 15 yard penalty. Well, Zim has no tolerance whatsoever for stupid penalties. I mean, there are times when you hold, there are times when, you commit penalties, you know, a face mask that's inadvertent, but it's a penalty. He decides to make an example to tell Rhodes, you're not above the law, pulls Rhodes out. Now Trey Waynes goes on Brandon Cooks. The very next play, they throw a 47-yard bomb to uh, Cooks for a touchdown. In the process of that play, Waynes in the end zone, lands, hits his head on the turf, is in concussion protocol. And now not only did you give up seven points, but now your number two corners out. And it was only because of the first domino that he kicked the flag. Right. Had Xavier not kicked the flag, he would have been on cooks and they probably would not have thrown that pass. So it's just, you know, it goes to show just how crazy and small the problems between being a good team, being a decent team and being a bad team can be. Well, you and I haven't talked to you. It's funny you say that because just how seasons go, right? I mean, and yeah. I think so many things have uh, been compared from 2009 to 2010, and hopefully it's not a repeat of that, you know, going to the NFC Championship game, and then the next year things fall apart. But, you know, things fell into place, including like the, you know, the, the Greg Lewis catch from Favre and, and, and certain yep. games that Case was able to pull out of his rear end last year, where this year you have the da- Daniel Carlson thing. You know, let's face it, Daniel Carlson makes that field goal. He's still kicking for this football team, right? I mean, just, yes, it, he is. I mean, that's just football. There's no room for error, and one you can connect the dots and all these strange little things that can make up a season. Because you know, the funny thing is, is I can remember uh, we had talked right before the draft, and the schedule had come out, and we were going, "Good God, this is a murderer's row coming out." You know, I mean, if you remember, Buffalo was a playoff team last year. And so you're looking at those first five games and you're going, okay, San Francisco, they started off hot garbage, but they won their last five games with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. Then you're going into Green Bay. You've got Buffalo, who was a playoff team last year. Then you go into the Rams, who have spent like drunken sailors in free agency with signings and trades. And then you got to go face the champs 
in Philadelphia. I was looking at that going, if they come out of that two and three, it's not as bad as it looks for two and three. And so right now they're looking at it that if they can win on Sunday, they're two, two and one. And keep in mind in 2015, they started two and two, finished 11 and five, won the North. Last year, they started two and two. And if not for putting Case Keenum in for Sam Bradford at Chicago, they would have been two and three and 0 and two in the division. I think the best thing the Vikings have going for them right now, even if they lose on Sunday, is that they still have five games left against the division. Granted, the Bears look a lot stronger than they did uh, a year ago, but you still control everything about you getting back to the playoffs. So, you know, Zim made a point today to say, you know, a season is not decided in September. It's just not. You know, it's right. how you're playing in November and December. But I think as the 2010 Vikings taught us, if you dig yourself too deep of a hole where it's like, okay, we got to win three straight just to get to 500 and then reset and keep this momentum going. But the Vikings have a history of long winning streaks under Zimmer. You know, they had, I believe it was a six game winning streak in 2015. In 2016, they started five and zero until their offensive line was hiring guys off the street about week seven. And last year they started two and two and then ran off eight in a row to finish 13 and three. So they've got it in them, but this is a team right now that if you were expecting something bad, I think you would have expected that Kirk cousins was going to implode that he wasn't going to be all we thought. I'm not sure anyone would have speculated that right now, the Minnesota Vikings are the 23rd ranked defense in the NFL. No, that's a very good point. John Holler with us. Vikingupdate.com gets you directed to his stuff on 247sports.com. This is the Front Row Show. Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790 KFGO. If you're the Vikings, you're going, okay, well, we lost the game. We probably shouldn't have at home against the Buffalo Bills. We got to make that up somewhere on the schedule. That most likely is in Philadelphia this week, and you can correct that wrong in a quick hurry, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, then you got Arizona coming in after that. So there is that chance. There is that chance to start getting on a roll. And, you know, like I say, I personally, we, I'm not sure if we talked about it on the air. I, I, I know we did off the air that the Vikings had absolutely no business winning that game against Green Bay. Because if you, if you don't call that bogus, uh, roughing the quarterback, call against Clay Matthews, that pass was intercepted and that would have ended the game. The Vikings had one timeout left and Rogers could have just knelt on the ball and the game's over. So the fact that they didn't get a loss out of that one, I think has to be viewed as a positive. And it's just one of those, we have not seen the defense play like the Minnesota Vikings defense plays since week one. I mean, they pretty much contained Garoppolo, but even then, if you remember George Kittle, their tight end was getting wide open on plays, and it was obvious that someone is not picking up on it. You know, Anthony Barr was the fall guy last week, but two of those three touchdowns were not his fault. Well, well, and that's you know, it's interesting because scheme wise, they're just it's something something doesn't seem to be right, right? I mean, that's what yeah they got to be thinking of themselves is you know it's because. And Pete Bursich talks about this all the time. It's not like they're getting beat physically all the time. It just seems like people are in the wrong place all the time. You certainly saw right. that against Buffalo. Yes. And, you know, when you give up 17 points and your offense has run six plays, uh, you're going to have problems. But even in 
the Rams game where they were in it the whole time. It was never a Rams blowout by any stretch. You've had 50 passes thrown. Again, in, in the last three games, I believe the Vikings have thrown 153 passes. That's great for fantasy football owners who have Kirk Cousins. Good for you. We're happy for you. But in the reality football, you do not win being one-dimensional. It just doesn't happen. And the, you know you can have certain success. There have been times when teams like New Orleans won without throwing. I mean, look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's one, two, and one as well. And why are they losing? Because they got no running game and they have to throw. When teams know you're going to throw, it's almost like telling them the play call before the ball is snapped. What What's your take on what's going on offensively? Because like you said, fantasy football players are loving it. The offensive line can't be consistent and they're not running the ball. So they got to be frustrated with that. And do people talk about the fact this is a little bit of a knock on Kirk Cousins with the Redskins, he has to step up in those pockets because Riley Reef isn't playing well, but he's creating a pocket. You know what I'm getting at? Right, right. And to, to me, I, I think where the problem is coming league-wide with the uh, emphasis, you know, people are like, well, the reason that there are so many more points being scored is because of the rules changes that are hurting defenses. I think that's a small part of it. I, I think what we're coming on now is – only about 10 or 15 years ago did college teams start saying, we're not going to play old school football. You can do that. They've been doing it in high school for decades. If you had an undersized team, you put in four receivers. You say our quarterback has to hold the ball for less than two seconds, get rid of it, and we'll have little water bugs do our running for us. I think the college game has embraced that. I mean, if you watch Big 12 football, you know, if you saw any of Baker Mayfield last year, he was a good quarterback, but he's playing in games that literally are like 51 to 48. <laughs> right. You know, that's a rate. That's a, you know, an over under in a big 12 games, about 75, which is absurd. But I think what's happening is it's getting so ingrained and pro coaches are seeing what works in the college game. And they're incorporating that into their own with all this misdirection and sliding. You have to have a smart quarterback to accomplish that CBS and News commit ben. to do it. But it's it's a thing. Let me ask you just uh, before we go here, and uh, you know, certainly a lot of interest around here with Carson Wentz and who's been pl- always oh, yeah. played well at Lincoln Financial Field. But uh, I, I think, yeah, if you lose, you go one, three, and one. But then, like you said, you just kind of have to look at the you know the next, you know, I guess uh, almost two thirds of the schedule and say, here's where you got to make your hay, right? Right. I mean, at some point the losses and the tie are going to come back to bite you. And you can only have so many that you have to check or jump. I mean, they're already cutting themselves a little thin because you figure with that loss, nine, six, and one, I don't think will make the playoffs. So you'll have to be 10, five, and one at a minimum. If you, you know, it's simple math. You know, if you're one, three, and one, your uh, margin for error has dropped to two losses. You'll have to go nine and two in those final 11 games. Not saying it can't be done because the Vikings have done it before, but that is a big hill to climb unless you're convinced that nine, nine, six, and one can win the NFC North in 2018. And the way the Bears are playing, and as long as Aaron Rodgers has one good leg, I don't imagine that there's not going to be a team that wins 10 in, in this division. Final thing for you, John. I do want to ask you because you are down in the Twin Cities. Just the uh, 
Buzz is something you and I talked about off the air last night, just the Paul Molitor situation. I asked yeah. I asked a question last night, and I think we could kind of see this coming because many times see a new GM comes in and wants to get their own guy eventually. Same thing in college with new athletic director wants their own coach. You asked Tracy Clays about that down at the U of M. Right. But I kind of did a poll last night, and not too much surprise, most people want Molitor, even though they're not surprised Molitor – was let go, but if you were to ask people if they want Molitor or these two young men who are running the team, what do you think they picked, right? Oh, yeah, no, it's it's been the same here where it's the Molly was a great soldier. You know, he, he when the new, when Felvey and Levine took over, the big thing was Molly's too old school. He doesn't buy into the analytics that everyone else is buying into. And Houston became the faceplate of that is we're going to use analytics. We're going to sign all our young guys and we're going to make a run because it worked there. Doesn't mean it works everywhere. And the, the big thing that, you know, my only real takeaway from it is, okay, you got rid of the guy who you took last year, you took away his stopper and you took away the guy you had traded for a week earlier. You like flipped a house on your, on Garcia and you left him with nothing this year. They did even worse. They traded like seven guys away. And it's like, they still held up in September as if, you know, I'm not sure how many people were actually watching, but okay. If that's what you wanted was to get rid of Molly. Good for you. Now it's all on you. They got rid of the buffer in between them. You know, it's like a football coach firing his defensive coordinator. It's like, okay, the next firing is going to be you. I don't know if the poll ads are engaged enough to do that, because both these guys have a pretty strong reputation coming from other organizations. But I, if I was a twins fan, I would be unbelievably salty. I mean, I, I kind of keep a professional distance with it. Do you know what I'm saying? Where if you're a twins fan, you're still going to watch the games. You're still going to be a fan of the team. But when, when the ownership betrays you, that's where it's a problem. If your players aren't doing the job because they're too young, they're not talented enough. That's one thing. But when your front office guts your team consistently, you know, it seems like every July 31st is a, or they're selling, they're selling, they're getting rid of this guy, getting rid of that guy. I love Dozier. I didn't think they should get rid of him. You know, there were a couple other guys that, you know, the one year contracts. Yeah, fine. You know, get rid of Morrison. If you have to, I, you know, he is what he is, but I didn't like getting rid of Fernando Rodney because I think he was finally getting it, but that's just how this organization well, operates, and we'll see how it works out. It's a thing where I'm not really all that wound up about it if you feel like you're out of it and the guy's in his walk year if you, and you don't have any right. plans. Get something on, for him. I agree. I mean, so I guess they didn't have a problem with that as much. Yeah, I guess the problem would be is I thought they should have resigned Dozier because – well, and you and I talked about Griffin and Robinson, right? I, I think there is yep. some value to guys who have respect in the clubhouse. I, 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 no question. And, and I just I think that the analytics guys, and I, you know, more analytics are coming in fo- into football. But what type of, type of analytic are you going to put on a guy like Brian Robinson and Terrence Newman or Brian Dozier? You know, what I'm getting that, or, or Eddie Guardado when he was in the corner and. No one missed with the Godfather. I mean, they called him the Godfather. You need guys like that in the clubhouse to know how things run around here. Analytics don't measure heart. Yeah. 
And that's where I think the problem is coming in is that there are guys who will play hurt. There are guys who won't play hurt. I still say for my money, the eyeball test is still the, still the measuring stick for me. You know, like Kentrell brothers is an undersized linebacker for the NFL, but Kentrell brothers has heart and will give you everything he's got. I want guys like that on my team. Analytics don't cover that. They don't account for those, for those human factors that come in, which is why I think baseball, while they may be uh, surviving and and maybe even thriving now, I think there's going to come a time when the old school baseball fan turns on you and your lifeblood is now going to be millennials that want instant gratification. I'm not sure baseball in the long term is going to see the uh, rosy days that they think they're going to. Yeah, it should, I mean, they are making money on TV ratings and and uh, all that right now. They're making money on their yes, app. Yes, they are. Yeah, I mean, they're making their money on their app, which is, you know, crazy. But that's kind of an untold story is how much money they're that's making right. on digital more than anything else. <laughs> Very good, John. Thanks so much for all your uh, bonus time here. I do appreciate it, as always. Anytime, and uh, put... Put uh, blankets over your plants if you still got them outside. If there's going to be a hard freeze tonight, yeah, I'm just letting them die. I don't know if my, my, there you go. I don't know if the fiance <laughs> feels that way, but I'm just uh, let her let her die. But you know, what do you do? Wow, Mr. Green Thumb. Yeah, All right, exactly. <laughs> hey, have a good weekend. Enjoy it. We'll see if the Vikes can pull out a win and, and against the Super Bowl champions on the road. All right, take care, brother.